0: It's a foot race, and Crowder is in there! A 69-yard touchdown. Darnold escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Darnold. Hill
1: will hit a immediately when he got the handoff. You know and <laughs> the q Oh, my gosh! Listen, thank you. From the
0: TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason, you can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet one and we just experienced the Senior Bowl, there was the whole week of practices, there was the game, and so a whole bunch of prospects made their mark in positive and negative ways, and to talk about that, I welcome in an old friend, it's been way too long since he's been on Play Like a Jet, he's the host of his own podcast, Jets Brawl. Mr. Kyle Fahey, aka Fahey W. Kyle, welcome back to the show, buddy. Like I said, it's been way too long.
1: Scott, this is the play like a jet podcast is kind of like my vacation rental that I've I just haven't had the time. I've been caught up with the family, but I'm (laughs) I'm happy I'm back in it and getting comfortable. Um excited to go skiing, excited to see all the sights I can't get in town. So excited to be back on the pod.
0: Excited to have you back, brother And I'm glad that you got an opportunity To cover the Senior Bowl this year So I wanted to pick your brain and see what you thought about Some of the players that were down there Let's talk running back We know what happened in the game, obviously Michael Carter from North Carolina Had an outstanding game But throughout the week, there were plenty of running backs That were shining in a positive light And some that were not shown in a very positive light Talk to me about what you saw when you were down there
1: yeah, I'll start with Michael Carter since you brought him up. Uh, that's a guy who's going to get people killed in pass protection. Um, I was down on him all week because of it. He's a very good runner, very good vision. Uh, as you saw in the game, he kind of has this like enactability ability to just make jump cuts and get space. So as a running back, I like him as a prospect as just about everything else. I wouldn't touch him because I, his form isn't bad. His legs are huge. He has a strength. This dude just gets blown up every time he's in pass protection, or at least in practice. Uh, I have watched a couple of his games, um, and I didn't see that a lot going on. But also, at the same time, he split reps with another draftable running back. So I'll have to go back and specifically watch his pass protection there. But all week, he was getting blown up. Uh, It was very concerning. I mean, he was quite literally getting thrown into the fictional quarterback Great pass catcher, great runner, though. So for me, I would probably take him as a fifth or sixth round guy. Uh, Beyond them, Larry Roundtree from Missouri was a guy who I thought had a really good week. Um, For the most part, I'll just say this, all the running backs were just about, like, average. Nobody was particularly exceptional, in my opinion. And at the same time, I think it's hard to be exceptional when, you know, even in the seven-on-seven drills, everybody's going about, like, 80%. You're not really hitting people. You're not seeing what these guys have terms in contact balance – um, you would like to see them get more used in passing game. And that really depended on the team. Uh, Brian Flores and Matt Rule, they obviously ran their practices a little bit different. So overwhelmingly with the running back position this week, it was, it was just basically, hey, can you catch a football? And can you pass protect in some of these drills? I think Kylan Hill from Mississippi State was super impressive. Um, Chris Evans from Michigan didn't have a bad week for sure. I'm trying to think of some of the other guys here off the top of my head um michael carter was impressive as i said as a runner we saw that in the game but beyond that just running backs in general i feel like we're kind of just fading away from being excited about them right correct me if i'm wrong here but everybody is just like meh like Najee harris didn't play obviously we know that he he barely practiced he went out there he did warm-ups he uh he would catch some balls on the sidelines and then he would call it a day basically He he was probably by far the best running back there, just in terms of talent and what we've seen. And we didn't even get to see him. So uh, just the bulk of the running backs, it's very, very meh, very meh in terms of watching them in practice. Play like a jet. Play like a jet.
0: Kyle, it sounds like you're not very high on the running backs that you saw this past week during the senior bowl practices. However, you were a lot higher On the wide receivers in fact Here's what you said after the actual Senior bowl game you said I think Today's senior bowl game has solidified What I've thought throughout practice all week There's no reason for a team to Take a wide receiver top five there's Too much depth to be had in this draft Ten guys at the senior bowl could easily Go in the top 150 Would be much wiser to spend a top five Pick on a position of rarity and low Depth like quarterback left tackle cornerback Edge etc now Just so everybody knows, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks said the exact same thing on Move the Sticks. They were talking about how there were so many good wide receivers in this draft and how there were so many good ones in the previous draft that picking a wide receiver that high would be a mistake. It sounds like what you saw this week at Senior Bowl practices and then again in the game over the weekend really solidified that opinion for you.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's more, and this is kind of, I'm seeing the same thing with wide receivers right now that I saw with running backs a couple years ago. And I think the NFL and the public is going to catch on here very quickly. The value of wide receivers. Um, there is a million good ones to put it very simply. Now there, of course, do you want the top guys? Do you want the Julio Jones? Do you want Devante Adams? Do you want the Andre Hopkins? Of course and they were all top 50 picks. I think Devontae Adams was a second-round pick. Otherwise, I would say they were all top 15 picks. But you look around the league, even at the Jets, right? Jamison Crowder, fairly good wide receiver. Like, that is an NFL starter who was productive when given the ball. That guy was a third-round pick. Denzel Mims, who I think we all agree is a very talented individual, second-round pick. Robbie Anderson, it goes from our past, undrafted free agent. And you just look around the rest of the league, I mean, and what they're doing. Stefan Diggs. Cole Beasley, John Brown. These guys weren't top 10 picks. These guys were undervalued. And now you just see if they have this yak ability, you know, the ability to get yards after the catch, after contact, the stay up, and you can catch a football, you will be serviceable in the NFL. So based off of that, you're looking at all the talent in this draft and to bring it towards the senior bowl a little bit more here. Just off the slot alone, I count Amari Rodgers, Kadarius, Tony, the South Dakota statewide receiver, Cade Johnson. Those are three slot guys right there. And then you count in Dwayne Eskridge, who will probably be a slot slash RPO type of dude with special teams ability. There's four guys right there who in any draft, I think, could be the number one slot wide receiver. I mean, these dudes all have incredible feet. Getting open is by far the best attribute you can have as a wide receiver in today's NFL. You don't have to be the biggest. They don't throw jump balls anymore. They're not looking for these monster Julio Jones, and Terrell Owens type of receivers who are just freak athletes. That doesn't hurt. But if you get open, you get open. And you just got to catch it after that. So, like, those four slot guys right there, think about the Rams, the 49ers. I guess now the Jets with LaFour, Like, what they're going to be looking for in terms of receivers. They're looking for Yak. Those receivers fit that. And then even if you want that X-type receiver, you look at some of the guys who balled out this week. Nico Collins from Michigan, who's a guy we haven't seen since 2019 because of an opt-out. Des Fitzpatrick from Louisville, who Mekhi Becton is obviously a big fan of, as we've seen on his Twitter. He had a phenomenal week. I mean, there's like seven or eight receivers right there, and I'm sure I'm just forgetting guys off the top of my head. I mean, just about every wide receiver was impressive. And I'll say this. The one receiver who disappointed me the most it's still probably a top 50 pick and that's Kadarius Tony. And that's just because he dropped the ball a lot. He had a lot of drops and it's not something we saw at Florida. I think it was just like a concentration issue Um, and he was shaking dudes like salt. I mean, the the one clip where he's like 15 yards open, then he drops the ball. That's how his week went. Basically Uh, just a lot of drops, but at the same time, it's never something we saw on film. I feel like at the next level, it's, it, you might have to feed him to get him going, if you know what I mean, just like mm-hmm. give him give him the catches, get him going mentally, and then beyond just the senior bowl, right? And we can make this, obviously, Jets podcast, obviously, two Jets guys here. We can make it a little more jet centric Why take Devontae Smith at number two? Mm-hmm. Like, make a case for me here. I don't understand it because you're talking about a guy who wasn't the number one on his team until Jalen Waddle got hurt. And say what you want about both talents. I think they're both probably top 15 talents in this draft. Don't get me wrong. But he wasn't number one on his team until an injury. Then obviously he took the most out of the opportunity. He's a Heisman winner, phenomenal player. What impact is he going to have? A Justin Jefferson type impact at best, right? You're talking about we just saw probably the greatest rookie season from a wide receiver. Now that team had a serviceable quarterback and a pretty decent head coach and still didn't make the playoffs. Didn't do much for the Vikings, right? Great player. How is he impacting games? A little bit. Just a little bit. He's not winning games. He's impacting them a little bit. So I think of that, and then I think on top of it, all the talent that I just said in this draft. And then that's not even mentioning a guy like Jalen Waddle, who might be available at 23, or maybe Jamar Chase, depending on where these guys fall. And then on top of that, when you look at the wide receiver free agency class for this year, just some of the bigger names, right? Allen Robinson, Kenny Galloway, Marvin Jones Jr., Tim Patrick out in Denver, it just doesn't make any sense for me whatsoever for the Jets to take a receiver at number two when you're probably going to address this in free agency. You have ample opportunities to find great playmakers in the second and third round. And then the value of first round wide receivers over the past decade, basically, has been poor. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. How many bad wide receivers or injured wide receivers have we seen get overdrafted because of great athleticism? Brashard Perryman, Kevin White, Henry Ruggs, I'll say that. I'll say it right now. Henry Ruggs, I'll throw <laughs> him in there already. John Ross. I mean, now granted, I don't think Devontae Smith will be any of those guys. But just the fact that number two is a conversation, I, I I find ridiculous. If you're if you're the Jets, and I get why this is being brought up. I get the situation because there's not a clear elite edge rusher who deserves to go in the top ten. There's not a clear number one corner. The quarterbacks are ample. I think that's the most real, most realistic one, but. Outside of that, I mean, where's the elite talent? You already have your left tackle. I think C-Well at number two is a little rich, and then you would have to switch them to the right side. So I think teams are kind of creating chatter, and these mock draft guys are kind of backing it up by just saying, well, where's the fit? Oh, yeah, sure, just take Devontae Smith. Well, that's not the best player available. Definitely won't be. And if you don't like the talent, don't take a bad value. Just trade back or trade it for a franchise quarterback. Wink, wink.
0: So. <laughs> I couldn't agree more, Kyle. I've been talking about this for a while. Picking a 165-pound wide receiver at number two would be absolutely crazy. I don't think the Jets are going to do it, and I don't think any team would. As Daniel Jeremiah also said since we referenced him before, when you pick a receiver that high, he'd better be a physical freak like Calvin Johnson or Randy Moss or somebody like that. And a quarterback, those guys are Value, like you said, you're getting a potential quarterback of the future who could be here for the next 10 to 15 years in Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, maybe even Trey Lance, somebody that could potentially be your franchise quarterback for a really long time. And those guys give you a lot more value than a 165 pound wide receiver who, as you said, arguably, A, isn't the best receiver in this draft and B, may not have even been the best receiver on his team but let's continue talking about quarterback the top guys that I just mentioned Wilson, Fields, Lance they were not at the Senior Bowl but there were some quarterbacks there who impressed including Kellen Mon from Texas A&M he's somebody that seems to be going up the draft boards people talking about him as a potential round 3 pick he won the MVP of the Senior Bowl so talk to me about him and the other quarterbacks that you saw.
1: Yeah, um I said this on Boy Green's radio show earlier this week and my Feelings kind of stayed the same. The quarterbacks were bad all week. Um, they kind of fit my priors here. Um, I didn't like a lot of quarterbacks in this draft. It's extremely top-heavy, and once you get past, you know, those top five or six guys, which I guess could be for any draft, but I feel like there's just a gigantic drop-off. Um, Mac Jones, I did think worked himself definitely into the first round. I think he deserves it at this point. Um, he showed a lot this week in his senior bowl. He came out super conservative just in terms of, you know, dumping it off, just staying alive in the pocket, making good decisions. And I feel like a lot of it is just getting to know the offense that he was working with. And then you saw him really open it up day two and three. And then he got a, apparently got an ankle injury. That didn't happen. He just didn't want to play um, to risk injury or to hurt his stock. And I get it, but um, he was impressive all week in practice, made a lot of really nice throws has good zip on his ball definitely workable athleticism he's not like an unathletic guy he's going to go in the first round i'm pretty confident in that i talked to some people washington is definitely a team that's interested the patriots um i i would have said the rams because i i know he did talk to the rams but um, i don't think they're going to be drafting a lot of quarterbacks here anytime soon given the events of matthew stafford um beyond mac jones kellen mon has his moments that I do like. He has great great athleticism. He has a great arm. I posted a couple times where he made really some nice zip throws into the end zone. He's a workable prospect. I don't hate him. I don't think he had a great week, just like all the other quarterbacks I think he struggled at times. But you saw how he played in the game. And if you go and watch his film at Texas A&M, him and Kylan Hill are that team. They were good this year. And Jimbo Fisher has produced NFL talent before at the quarterback position. A couple guys, actually. So... I think at worst with Kalamon you have like a serviceable athlete, right, at quarterback. Even if like his uh, passer skills don't translate to the next level, you have a guy who can come in and run Lamar Jackson type installs because he is athletic. You know, you see teams trying to do that all the time nowadays. Like how do you prepare for Lamar Jackson? You know, uh, I believe the Steelers had Josh Dobbs running installs. Josh Dobbs is nothing like Lamar Jackson, but he's just like a better athlete than Mason Rudolph. So that's what teams are kind of looking for nowadays in second and third string quarterbacks. So I don't mind Kellen Lon. I think he has some workable traits, as I've said. Ian Book is another guy who I think had an okay week. Uh, another guy of great athleticism. Uh, if you watched any of his stuff at Notre Dame, I'm assuming you have seen a couple of Notre Dame games. He loves to run. Uh, he's, got good, he's got great instincts out of the pocket, you know, getting into the field when to tuck and run. He also doesn't have a bad arm. I mean, he's he's definitely got an NFL arm on him. It's just a matter of he was never able to be that extreme playmaker passer that Notre Dame needed to be at the next level. And a lot of that could be on receivers. But as you've seen, some of the talent that they've turned out at the next level during his tenure, I mean, Chase Claypool, I know they have a, a great freshman tight end this year who was pretty good. Uh, consistently one of the better offensive lines. You have to wonder, is it Ian Book that's holding them back? I would probably tell you yes. So, again, just another guy who I think would be a fine QB2, fine QB3. Everybody else was garbage. Um, I hate to be so rough on these kids, but it's pretty much what you've seen throughout their whole career. Felipe Franks is another guy who's a phenomenal athlete, is going to excel in terms of, you know, Outrunning defensive ends, running option plays—it's just like the same thing we've seen at Florida from him, and the same thing we've seen at Arkansas. He has never been able to put it together on the field as a complete prospect. I've seen this dude chuck a ball 80 yards. I've seen him probably run a four-five, four-six. I mean, this dude is a great package in terms of what you would look for. I mean, he's six foot six, incredibly fast, and a great arm. But he just has never ever put it together on a field, um, and I don't know how much coaching is going to change that because he—he's already had Dan. Mullen in his ear. Dan Mullen, I think, is one of the better quarterback coaches in the country, so I'm not too confident in Felipe to turn it around at the next level. Who else is here? Um what quarterbacks am I missing? I know I'm missing a couple of them here. Oh, Jamie Newman, Wake Forest, or technically Georgia, I guess. I'm not sure how he classifies. Not good. I mean, he's just – uh he, he's not even a good college quarterback. I, I don't see him playing well at the next level. He throws suitment. Too many interceptions in the seven on seven reps that I watched. Uh, I think there was three on one drive, uh, you know, and they just they just keep it going. But he, he struggled all week. I think that's I think that's the bulk of the quarterbacks. Anybody I'm missing here? I don't think so. But yeah, just overwhelmingly not impressed. Um, I do have to mention Kyle Trask because he is on the roster. Obviously, he didn't get to see him play this week. I'm not impressed with Kyle Trask at all as a Gator fan. Um, I don't think he's a uh, – I would never draft him. I'll say it like that. I can't say he's not draft-worthy, but he's not athletic. He doesn't have an NFL arm. He's got okay accuracy. Um, and if you look at all the talent the Gators have produced over the last couple of years, obviously Kyle Pitts, Kadarius Tony, LaMichael P. Ryan. Now we have Trayvon Grimes. They had Van Jefferson in the past. Um, and some of the other receivers – who went in the later rounds for the Gators last year. I think they had four receivers in total drafted. I mean, they, they've been an NFL machine the past two years under Kyle Trask and Dan Mullen. So, I, again, kind of like Ian Book, Kyle Trask, I think, was the reason they were being held back. So that's my thought on all the quarterbacks. I feel like I'm being super rough on them, and I probably am. And I hope it works out for all of them, but I, I'm just not seeing it. Kyle,
0: let's see if you're a little less rough on the guys in the trenches, the defensive and offensive line. The big story down at the Senior Bowl this week Was the play of Wisconsin Whitewater guard Quinn Miners Who dominated all week in practice And then broke his hand during the game And was begging Brian Flores His coach to let him still play This guy's a warrior And I think he's going to go way higher than we all expected because nobody really had him on their radar before. Talk to me about what you saw from him at the Senior Bowl throughout the week, and then tell me about the other guys that you saw that stood out to you one way or another in the trenches on the defensive and offensive
1: lines. Yeah, I mean, as you said, I'll start with Miners here. He was super impressive all week. I mean, this is a guy who I think, um, coming from D3, and then going to the Senior Bowl is kind of rare in its uh, in its own entity. There have been guys, uh, Titus Howard, the Houston Texans right tackle, who is okay as a right tackle in the NFL right now, but that doesn't matter. He, he's one of the only guys outside of him, Ryan Jensen, and now Miners, I believe, who have made the D3 jump playing offensive line. So it's rare. I mean, the Senior Bowl's been going on for, what, 40 years now? And there's only been three guys. So he deserves to be there. I mean, if if you're good, the scouts will find you. And he balled out. I mean, he won almost every single 1v1 rep. I mean, he he is just, he's phenomenal. And what I've seen, I I, I admittedly haven't watched his tape. I didn't know much about him coming into this. Um, I don't know how much D3 tape I'm going to have access to or be able to find, but I would definitely be interested in seeing uh, if he dominated at that level or not. I'm assuming he did just given that, you know, senior bowl scouts were able to find him. I do remember on Twitter um, guys like Owen Reese and some of the O-line coaches that I follow, they were clamoring for him to get up there. So I'm going to assume he's been good for a while and I've just never heard of him, but he, he obviously made him name for himself and he made millions of dollars for himself too. Um, beyond him, some of the guys who I did find interesting, uh, Dylan Rodence from North Dakota State, who has been an NFL machine at the D2 level for the past couple years now. He was super impressive. Um, I I don't know where the NFL views him. I would assume left tackle, there's a chance they switch him in the guard. Um, All of these guys, I'll just say this right now, every single player at the Senior Bowl played a different position on the offensive line, right? Uh, Robert Hainsey, for example, the right tackle from Notre Dame, who was a pretty damn good right tackle in college football. They had him play right tackle, right guard, center, and left guard. Um, significant snaps at each uh, throughout team drills and one V one reps. So they were trying to get everybody a little bit of experience everywhere. Cause I think right now, given how questionable this draft is going to go, I think NFL teams are really trying to like, focus on how can we make these players at least versatile? You might not draft the greatest talent, right? But if a guy can be versatile for you, the value is more and you'll see that in the wide receivers, you'll see that in the running backs and you'll see that in the O line and D line um continuing on though who else who else was impressive to me creed humphrey i mean he's the best center in the draft uh landon dickerson is good but and obviously the injury hurts but creed humphrey is far and away the best center in this draft i I would really like the jets to invest in him I'll, i'll talk about the bama boys here a little bit just off the top of my head um i thought deontay brown did pretty good this week i think he's kind of exactly what i thought i think he's overweight i'll say that he definitely needs to get in better nfl condition He's a good mover for his size. I don't know if it's going to be good enough for the next level, though. I feel like he is a perfectly fine round three, round four guard who probably develops for a year in terms of technique. And then when he steps in, he's going to be limited, but he's going to be a road grader at the same time. So I, I feel like he's going to be a very hot and cold bipolar type of player where it really just depends on the guy he's going against um, a guy like Quinn and Williams going against him. I could see being a problem. Obviously, Aaron Donald's going to be a problem for anybody, but just imagine some of the faster D tackles in the NFL are the more athletic ones. I think that's going to be a problem for him, but I do like him as a prospect to an extent. Leatherwood, um, mobility is an issue for him. I watched him a lot in reps. Um, his kick out is slow. Uh, I don't think he's going to run well. I, I would imagine like a 4'9". So, um, there were rumors earlier this month about him being switched in the guard. And like I said, everybody played a different position at the senior bowl. He, he needs to go to guard in my opinion. Uh, I think that would be the best case scenario for him. Um, the only problem from there is he might be a little too tall for guard. I think he's uh six foot six off the top of my head. I could be wrong there, but, um, he's just like, he's not athletic enough to play left tackle at the next level guys like Von Miller. Um, Good Josh Allen out in Jacksonville. Brian Burns, you know some of these faster, twitchy edge guys—they're going to kill him. I just don't see him being the Stonewall that he was in college. So those are the Bama guys off the top of my head. Trey Smith from Tennessee. This is a monster in terms of you know human beings. This is a monster. Six foot seven, um, I think three three ten or something. I don't remember his exact measurables. Um, he had good and bad reps all week. He's kind of in consistent on technique I think that's something needs to be worked on but I will say there was a lot more good tape than there was bad tape but the bad tape was because of technique now that can be coached and that can be fixed obviously but if you're looking for a Makai Beckton type in this draft it's Trey Smith Uh, I think he'll run well obviously the size is there he's got that Mahler ability he's coming from the SEC so he's gone against some of the best of the best he's he's a very interesting prospect I wouldn't be surprised if he goes top uh, 75, top 50. I really don't know uh, the gauge of these offensive linemen right now. I feel like we could see a really high run on them just because of how questionable this draft process is, and teams might just draft uh, in the trenches a lot. Beyond Smith, David Moore from Grambling State was very impressive. I love this kid. Very undersized. Um, he's going to be one of the smaller guards in the NFL, I believe. I think I think he's six foot two. Um, he's just a brick wall. He doesn't he doesn't get moved when he his height actually helps him here. When he, I'm going to demonstrate here on camera, Scott, I don't even know if you can see me, but when he <laughs> sets his anchor, when he sets his two feet and he's kind of lower than these dudes, you know, the old adage that low man wins is a hundred percent true. He just gets his hands inside of the shoulder pads or the little armpit pockets of the dudes in front of him. And he, his feet just don't move. He's just that strong. I, I, and I don't know if that will translate to the NFL. I think it will, because he was manhandling these dudes out there all week he, he's a very good prospect. I don't know what he's going to run uh, in terms of 40 times. So his like his movable athleticism, I don't know if you're going to be able to do uh, a lot of movement or a lot of wham blocks or stuff like, like that with him. But in terms of one-on-one pass protection and run blocking, um, that dude is going to be a mauler. So I'm pretty confident saying that David Moore from Grambling State, Ben Cleveland from Georgia. This is a specimen. Uh, Scott, I don't know if you've seen the photo of him uh off his instagram Mm -hmm. but this dude is like his calves are the size of my head
0: his chest
1: (laughs) his chest looks like a metal beam i mean this dude is in incredibly good shape and you know our good friend drew from jersey you know he obviously grades a lot of these prospects just based off their traps and like their forearms (laughs) and like ben cleveland's ben cleveland's gonna be his number one prospect i mean this dude's in phenomenal shape and he's a really good player um so i'm definitely interested in him i think he's a top 50 pick Uh, He got injured, so unfortunately we didn't get to see him in the game. I think it's just a lower leg injury, nothing too serious, uh, just precautionary. Uh, And probably the last guy, yeah, last guy, uh, Jack Anderson, who played right guard at Texas Tech for three years. So he has a lot of starting experience. I was a big fan of him um, coming into the Senior Bowl. He's a guy I watched filmed on a couple days before the actual event started. Um, His Houston tape from 2018 against Ed Oliver is really good. Uh, that was one of the few games Ed Oliver did not get a single QB pressure in his career. So it tells you that Juan Jack Anderson can compete with some stud defensive linemen at the next level. Because Ed Oliver's he's a pretty good defensive tackle for the Bills. I don't think he's a superstar like people expected him to be, but he's good. He's definitely no slouch again, the starting experience here. And then they moved him around all over the place. They played him a lot at center. I know he played center in the game. They moved him to right tackle. I don't think he's athletic enough for that. I think right guard is the best spot for him. And he's impressive. This is a guy I think third or fourth round you could easily get a starter out of just because of his his experience. He's not undersized. He's a fine athlete. He's not a great one. He's fine athlete. He's the perfect like C plus right guard at the next level. And honestly, like nowadays that you can win a Super Bowl with that. So that's probably the last of the offensive linemen that I got off the top of my head. But All of them overall were impressive. There weren't a lot of technique issues. I think everybody has their own uh, strengths and weaknesses per usual, but the attributes are there for these guys. It's just a matter of if there's a good enough online coach to get it out of.
0: Kyle, let's finish this off by talking about two positions on defense that the Jets are really going to need to look at. Edge rusher and defensive back, most specifically corner. One guy that I thought really stood out was Patrick Jones, the edge rusher from Pittsburgh. My friend Luke Grant really likes him a lot. Talk to me about what you saw from those two groups throughout the week and then during the game.
1: You know, that's funny. About Patrick Jones, I thought he underachieved all week. I I was hoping to see a lot more out of him. I know he played well in the game, right? I don't Mm -hmm. remember his specific stat line. Mm -hmm. But from what I understand, he played well in the game. And I'll say this. I wasn't a huge fan of his film either. Either of the guys from Pitt. They're both first-team All-American, so I was really excited to watch them. What I think they do well is get nice pressure and then one of them just cleans it up based off the college quarterback being stupid. You rarely see college quarterbacks step up into the pocket and give themselves more time, right? Um, and I can pull up my my write-up for Pat Jones while I'm talking about him, so I can refer- reference specific games. But um, as I said, I was just expecting more from both of those guys. I think Pat Jones is a good athlete. I think you're going to see that be one of his best attributes as a pure edge rusher, but I, just, I didn't see a lot of that Uh, in terms of winning this week at the senior bowl. I think the offensive linemen were as fast as him. He wasn't stronger. And I think he's got this nice bend ability, you know, the bend that he has. I think that will help him at the next level. And I think he still will be a top 200 pick because of it. But I was expecting more from him. uh, And I was expecting more from the Pittsburgh players in general, but continuing on with the edge rushers here, uh, a guy I was very impressed with was Carlos Basham Jr. From wake forest. This guy had a week. Um, that's a top 50 player that is speed. That is power. That is really good. Bend that's great effort. Um, consistently going after the ball before the quarterback, which is an underrated trait in my opinion. Um, you know, getting, a, getting a sack is nice. There's nothing wrong with getting a sack. It's phenomenal. Getting a strip sack fumble and a potential turnover is twice the value, right? Cause your offense gets the ball back. That was a guy I was super impressed with all week and I was kind of shocked. A guy who I didn't like, Shaka Tony. Um, I don't know what Tony does well. Um, he's not stronger than anybody. He's not faster than anybody. He isn't incredibly built. He's not very tall. He didn't get a lot of pressure all week. I think I saw one pressure from him, and it was a nice one. It was an interior pressure, and I think he just caught the old lineman off balance. But I'm just I'm not seeing a lot from his game. I don't know how much I love. I watched film on him and I kind of got the same idea. And I know Connor did like Connor Rogers did a like a simulated mock draft with one of the TDN guys. And he had Chaka Tony going in the seventh round. That's pretty much how I feel about Chaka. I, I just, um, he's a special teamer right now, if you ask me. So I, I don't know how much I'm seeing out of him. Here's the thing. This edge class in general is not particularly great. In my opinion. I don't think there is like that. Well, I actually, I do have a clear guy for me. It's Gregory Russo. I think Russo deserves to be a top 10 pick. I, I just can't pass on his athletic ability and his size Um, And I think he will go top 25, but obviously he wasn't at the senior bowl. But just to talk about it, the the edge class in general is kind of disappointing. Like it really sucks for the Jets specifically who have tons of picks this year. There's not that there's not a miles Garrett. There's not a Von Miller. There's not a Josh Allen. There's no Brian Burns. Um, It's just disappointing in general, pass rushers in general, there was more defensive lineman, interior pass rushers than there were edge rushers at the senior bowl. And in this draft cam sample, a guy from Tulane, um, I think he won the MVP of the defensive side all week, uh, or at least defensive line MVP. He's an interior edge rusher. I mean, he's not an edge guy. Um, I mean, he could go out there at the next level, but I definitely think he's more of a three tech, two tech type of guy, not a five tech hand in the dirt. So I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you there a little bit, Scott, in terms of the edge rushers, but I just, <laughs> I overwhelmingly wasn't impressive. And I think there's only like six guys who are officially listed as edge rushers on this roster.
0: What about cornerbacks?
1: Corners is this is a deep position in terms of respectable NFL talent, but like the edge rushers, there's not a number one. I mean, uh, you have the guys who are at the top: Asante Samuel, Caleb Farley, etc. Pat Sertain, right? None of them were at the Senior Bowl, so these were kind of the the third to sixth round type of guys. Thomas Graham from Oregon, I think, is an impressive dude who needs to work on his hips. I love his attitude. He has a great knack of finding the ball. Benjamin St. Juiced from Minnesota, Minnesota. Eh? They've produced a lot of good NFL talent recently um, on both sides of the ball. I think he's going to be moved to free safety at the next level, but they had him play a lot of corner during reps. This guy gets tons of pass breakups. He had nine in 2019 during the regular season. This is clearly a strength of his game. He has a very good ability to get after the ball, which I think is something you cannot underrate. Um, both UCF guys, Aaron Robinson and Richie Grant, they had good weeks. Aaron Robinson is a Alabama transfer, so he went to UCF after Bama. So obviously, he was probably at one time a, a pretty high recruit. Um, I'm gonna murder this kid's name. He's the kid from Syracuse. I think he'll probably be a safety at the next level two. I fought, I fought too. I thought I thought too. Melifonwanwu, the little brother of Obi, mm-hmm. who went a couple years ago in the second round from UConn, mm-hmm. he had an impressive week. And like I said, all these guys, I don't think there's a true number one. Like all these guys that I'm naming right now, they're just like, there's likable traits. I think you get good special teams value out of a couple of them. There's just not a guy who I overwhelmingly would go and draft. Uh, Keith Taylor was a guy who struggled all week in one V one reps. And then in the game, he was phenomenal. Cameron Bynum from California had some really nice reps, but again, These are not guys that you want to trust and throw out there week one of the NFL season or even week eight. They have a lot to learn. They have good athletic ability, but they all have major flaws in their games and a lot of them are technique based. So you're going to have to teach these kids. Darren Hall from San Diego State, I thought was one of the more sticky corners. And then he allowed two touchdowns to Amari Rogers. Now that's not that's not bad for Darren Hall because I think Amari Rogers is going to be a star in the NFL, but You know he didn't look good in game so (laughs) that is bad tape that's out there for him so again with the cornerback position kind of like the edge and like i said it sucks for the jets there's just nobody who's like really popping off off the screen who is not already like a top 50 pick pretty much in this draft right you have the guys who are at the top for a reason i think the scouts have done its work and i think it it could be a good thing for the jets because i think as the farther along you're going to get in this process from here is when the semantics start coming into play you know what I mean? It's like uh, every year we have the guys who rise because they run a really fast 40, but we completely forget that they have zero ball skills. Um, they open their hips super early in coverage and they have bad tendencies and mental lapses. So from here, you're just going based, based off a of film. You've, you are going off of what you've seen and then their 40 time at the pro day. Nothing else should be important. So for some teams, they may not like that. For me, I, I do like it. I think you get a better image of what the player actually is coming into the next level. Um, and I think that could benefit the Jets, depending on if they hold on to their picks. There also there is an edge rusher. I did forget. I apologize. He was impressive. Wyatt Hubert from Kansas State. That is a dude right there. Um, white long hair pass rusher. Make all the Chase Winovich and Max Crosby comparisons you want. This dude is speed, the power, and he's got okay bend too. Like this, this could be a productive pass rusher for you. Um, and probably I'm gonna guess the four round because he had a really good Senior Bowl week. Um, so I forgot him, but I apologize.
0: Kyle, this is what I love about you. You are thorough and not afraid to share your opinions, no matter what anybody else says. And that's why I always enjoy talking to you. It was way too long since you had been on the show. And I'm really glad that you were able to come on and share your observations from the week down at the senior bowl. Kyle Fahey, my man, AKA Fahey W, the host of Jets brawl. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For those that aren't checking out Jets Brawl or following you on Twitter, they're missing out. They should be doing both. How can they do it?
1: Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Fahey NFL. You can follow the Jets Brawl account at Jets Brawl. You can find us on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Heart Radio, any any place you can get a podcast. Uh, So I appreciate it, Scott. Thanks for having me on, buddy. It's always good talking to you
0: absolutely we got to do this again soon make sure you're following kyle on twitter and listening to his podcast jets brawl if you haven't given us a five-star review on itunes yet if you could go ahead and do that for us really appreciate it easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts you know where to go that's turn on the jets digital and turn